0: Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light.
1: This is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio.
0: It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live
1: as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world.
0: God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now. The Hamilton Corner. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Abraham Hamilton III, joined by the full corner contingent. Mr. Bobby Rosa has manned his station. <laughs> Mr. Jay Mack, producer extraordinaire, is in the screening room as- along with Mr. Marty Sparks. Ms. Jayla Ward is in the studio with us as well. We're ready to rock and roll with today's edition. Of the program, a lot of things happening today, a lot of uh, Supreme Court opinions were released, (laughs) Uh, an opinion concerning immigration (laughs) was released, Uh, an an opinion where the issue stems from a redistricting plan that was passed by the North Carolina state legislature, Uh, but the Supreme Court's ruling today has implications, uh, in my view, that extend far beyond that, which we're going to get into, Lord willing. Uh, more in the program, we have uh, the wee little leprechaun. We found where he's going to resurface. No bad grass, boy. I'm telling you, it's Bobby's favorite man. He's man of the year for Bobby, maybe man of the decade. <laughs> yeah, you see, I didn't really want to leave DC. <laughs> no, d- duh. <laughs> Anthony Fauci I'm talking about. Dr. Fauci, he didn't want to leave D.C., you see. No longer in government. But really, we'll get into that. Maybe. I don't know if we'll get to that because I have so much stuff planned to get into. However, at this moment, many of you, if not most of you, are transitioning from your part-time jobs where you generate an income to your full-time jobs where you cultivate an outcome. And as you do so, I want to remind you that what goes on in your house is far more important than what goes on in the White House. Guys, that's just the truth. That's just the truth. Like many of you, I I have to confront the things that, the demands that I have in my life, um, but I cannot allow these things to prohibit me from being and doing what God has required of me in my home. You know, Spider-Man didn't read the Supreme Court cases today, but he still needs his father, you know. So as you're making your transition, I appreciate you tuning into the program, and and many of you do so because you want to be informed and you appreciate having the issues of the day presented and navigated from a biblical perspective. Um, That is crucially important. But don't allow the things that happen nationally, internationally, uh, domestically, even maybe in your in, in your life, your lives, at work or wherever you may have gone today to keep you from being first and doing what God requires of you. And, and you guys, if you've been listening for a while, you know uh, the our Lord is far more concerned with who we are than what we do. His desires for what we do to be an overflow of who we are. So as we are transformed, as we are continuously uh convicted and transformed by the powerful presence of our King, we are agents of the very same transformation that we enjoy. And so it is from that full cup of being uh, transformed that we do the external ministerial engagements. It's connected. It's directly connected. And so uh, as you're transitioning, as you're transitioning, from your part-time jobs to your full-time jobs. Understand the significance and the the primacy that God places on family and allow that to inform your engagements this evening. Let this be a day. Um, Dads, break out the Bible with your family at home. Help your family to understand what's happening uh, using the word of God. Moms, gather your children around the word of God. Welcome the Lord's word to be the primary factor in your home. Because what happens in your home will be the temperature setter for what happens in the lives of those who are in your home. All right, to the word of God we go. Colossians chapter 2 is where I want to go today. Um, I'm going to read the scripture, but I'll say this first. I think some people, based on the notes and the messages I got, I think some people kind of got. Uh, consumed by the trees and couldn't see the forest of what I endeavor to communicate. Mm. Oh, I understand my sister. I'm not gonna say her name, but one sister saying, I think this is where the where the church has failed, uh, and 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 not uh, giving the the proper estimation to what has to happen in the home. Oh man. Mm. But getting back to, to what I was saying, I think some people. I couldn't see the forest for the trees, and what I was talking about yesterday, I uh, got a message saying, Hey, I can't believe you're spending all this time opposing the prom. And I was like, That's not even the main point I was endeavoring to make. The the question that I offered as we talked about the chant, you know, we're coming for your children. The scripture says it better than I can say it. Have we been uh, taken captive by worldly philosophy to such a degree to where we, absent the necessity, of submitting everything about ourselves, what we believe, what we think, what we prefer, uh, to the scrutiny of the Lord's word. So with that, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. I've explained before, this is uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Church of God at Colossae. This is a, a, a great biblical example of the reality that the Lord des- desires for every joint in his body to supply. Because as I've explained before, we read Colossians chapter 1, the Lord established the church at Colossae not through the ministry of Apostle Paul, but actually a lesser-known disciple named Epaphras is the one who proclaimed the gospel first in Colossae. Chapter 1 talks all about that. And the Apostle Paul actually affirms the fact that the Colossians heard the gospel from Epaphras first. We can get into some, some more of those details at another date. Uh, but the Apostle Paul has right written this epistle at about 62. AD, Colossae is another city uh, in modern day Turkey. And uh, I'm gonna read verses one through ten in chapter two. I'm just read through it and then we'll 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 talk about it a little bit. Verse one, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches. the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. I've explained before, man, I don't have enough time to get into the details, but uh, the city of Colossae was about nine miles away from Laodicea. So when Paul talks about, I wanted to visit Laodicea and I wanted to visit Colossae uh, because these are, are places where the Lord has birthed the church. His church, but I haven't been there personally yet. And I explained, I've explained before, later on the Apostle John addresses the church at Laodicea. Some of y'all may recall. uh, It's the lukewarm Laodiceans. And this is some 30 years after Paul had written to the Colossians. And it gives an indication, had the Laodiceans heeded, what Paul had mentioned three decades prior, maybe they would not have been. (laughs) Rebuked as they were three decades later, thinking... You know we have wealth. It's like that ain't that ain't what it is, Chief. But getting back to this, Paul begins in a, in verse four. He says, "I am writing to you. I say this in order that no one may delude you, beguile you, deceive you." Later on in the same epistle, what he began by introducing as the potential of delusion. He explains later, metastasizes into full blown captivity. By the time you get from verse 4 to verse 8, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive. Well, what was the mechanism of delusion that then has the capacity to, to metastasize into full blown captivity? Verse 8 tells us, By philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spiritual principles of this world, rather than upon Christ. This source of scripture should be sobering for all believers, because the Spirit of God is writing through the Apostle Paul to address to address Christians, and say to Christians, the the possibility, the potential exists for you to be deluded, and for that delusion to metastasize into full blown captivity. What does that captivity look like for the believer? If you're a believer, praise God, um, your justification is anchored in the person and work of Christ but it has the potential to encroach upon your witness as a believer to such a degree to where you have no potency of witness for anyone beyond yourself. And so the entire purpose of yesterday's conversation was to discuss the reality that we often don't realize, we don't appreciate, we don't estimate just how much we are steeped in worldliness. I'm not saying that we need to be these, you know, these cavernous, uh, recluse, you know, (laughs) ascetic people. No, I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying as believers, there should be a, a conviction in our hearts to endeavor with all that we are, to please our God and King in every aspect of our lives. I only mentioned the prom phenomenon within the broader context of intimate interactions between young people and in, in so many instances we have simply accepted a world-based normalization of social interaction that at best does nothing but create an opportunity for people to be tempted and to fall into sexual sin see the extremes of the as the bible describes abomination and rebellion and i don't mean extremes in terms of in terms of margins i'm talking about the overt I mean, these people announcing, "We're here. We're queer. We're coming for your children." When these things are are presented so consistently, combined by and large with an absence of an affirmative presentation of a biblical ethic concerning sexuality, how many young people are deprived from being presented with a with a biblical apologetic and even ex, an exegesis? For the, the beauty of physical intimacy between a husband and a wife. So often we're so marred by the world and even fallenness that many people are taught all they're taught is don't do it. Stay away from it. Don't do it. And so, in doing so, we allow the world to shape and shade our concept of something that God said is good and that He created. The purpose of yesterday's conversation and today's conversation in the Lord's word is to remind us that the potential exists for believers to be deluded. And that delusion, if allowed to continue unchecked, can metastasize into full-blown captivity. And that captivity has its manifestation where you have believers living like unbelievers. Worldliness is so normalized where you have professing Christians looking at others like, "Mm, It don't take all that to be saved. You, you 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 just try to be super spiritual. I mean, what is super spiritual? Honestly, biblically. I believe we underestimate in many instances the degree to which we have been steeped in worldliness. And it is the same the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, who appeals just as he has throughout biblical history. Come out from among among them and be ye separate. The call to holiness is not merely separating from a populace. It's also being dedicated to a particular function and purpose. It is because of our intimate relationship with our God and King that we're called to holiness.
1: Shining light into the darkness. This is the Hamilton
0: Corner on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. Abraham Hamilton III here. Man, we have so much stuff to get to. We have to get right into it. So I'm going to start with this case from the U.S. Supreme Court that was, the opinion was released today. And it is styled uh, Timothy K. Moore in his official capacity as Speaker of of the North Carolina House of Representatives versus Rebecca Harper at at al now I'm just going to tell you now I'm not going to get into the weeds of the the, the underlying facts that brought the case to the u.s Supreme Court uh because <laughs> the, the the Supreme Court's opinion its announcement today is an exercise in judicial overreach in my estimation and I want to explain why the implications of it are significant uh We've often heard the refrain when uh, Benjamin Franklin exited uh, Independence Hall and and he was asked, Benjamin, what have you wrought? You know, trying to figure out what was going on uh, with the delegates ultimately to the Constitutional Convention. And he replied, a, a republic, if you can keep it, you know, a republic, if you can keep it. Uh, we've talked before how the Constitution guarantees to every American citizen a republican form of government. Uh, these are basic things that, um, if you saw the National uh, Assessment of Educational Progress statistics, that America's children are not learning history and civics. Huh? You don't say. Well, when you say a Republican form of government, most Americans would think you're talking about the Republican Party, which is sad. It's so sad. And we have people who would tell you more frequently, oh, we're living a democracy, even, you know, and, and I don't want to be a to beat a dead horse, so to speak. But every time I hear somebody describe our nation as a democracy, it just reveals sometimes, not always, sometimes people may understand it and just use terminology that's popular to them. But often it reveals a fundamental misunderstanding of what our nation is from the beginning. So if you 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 misunderstand the corpus and the construction of our nation from its foundation, no wonder, no wonder you have no idea how it should be operating. You know? If you don't understand how something is intended to operate and yet you choose, you use it, the pinnacle of your usage will be abuse, which is abnormal usage. If you don't understand what it is, yet you use it, you will abuse it inevitably. Hence Benjamin Franklin's statement, a republic if you can keep it. I would also remind people, that those who read the U.S. Constitution today and they perceive it as being, wow, these big words and all of these things, it wasn't considered, you know, complex linguistics in the early 19th century, the late 18th century. It wasn't. And it just shows how far we have lost our capacity to articulate language to where we need you know acron- acronyms and tweets and TTYL. <laughs> you know all of that and, and no shade on those things. My wife get, really she gets up to me, hey, why do you tweet in full sentences? Because why do you text? I mean not tweet tweet. Why do you text in full? Because it's important that we understand language. Now, having said that, the case stands, and I'm going to give a little bit of, of the procedural history and an overview of the factual background. But the issue that comes from North Carolina, shout-out to North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. I know we got some North North Carolina North Carolinans listening. If I said that wrong, please forgive me. I also got to give a shout-out to the LSU Tigers, Men's College World Series victors. Play with it if you want, but LSU is winning national championships. I am a bit disappointed that my ORU Golden Eagles didn't, didn't make it all the way. However, my Golden Eagles didn't make it. But gold Tigers. I mean. I got to have more cowbell. I mean, I mean, you can say what you want, but I mean. You know, Joe Burrow, college football national champs. You know, Angel Reese. Women's basketball national champs. Baseball national champs, which is the seventh one of those. I mean, I mean who's counting? But seven is more than one. Jayla seems to be annoyed. That's okay. She can be annoyed. There, 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 was, there was a lot of people that was pounding chests when when those Gators destroyed LSU the game before. But there's a reason why these championships are played in series, you see. All right, back to the matter at hand. But gold Tigers. All right. Article 1, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. It's not very complex. <laughs> it's very simple and it's very direct. Um, the purpose of the, the the objective by the constitutional Convention attendees was to articulate our founding government governing documents so that families and in and, and mothers at their kitchen tables would be able to teach the vicissitudes of our nation to their children the goal was to make it easily accessible to everybody all right Article 1, Section 4, says this. Times place, the, I'm sorry, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. <clears throat> The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year and such meetings shall be on the first Monday in December unless they shall appoint, I'm sorry, unless they shall by law appoint a different day. The pertinent portion, this is, the pertinent portion of this clause is right at the first sentence. The times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law that will be by congressional action, make or alter such regulations except as to places and choosings of senators. So the, the pertinent question presented by this article in and of itself, not just the, the, the lawsuit, is does the Constitution expressly grant sole authority for establishing the times, places, and manner of holding federal elections to The state legislatures see it is foundational to our nation for us to understand that we are a constitutional Republic. Within a constitutional Republic, the founders always intended for the most robust features of governing authority to be closest to the people. Because our nation is comprised of the United States of America The founders articulated in our federal constitution that the authority over administrating even federal elections rests with the state legislatures. Why? Because the state legislatures are closer to the people than the national government. Everybody's with me. All right. The state of North Carolina passed legislation or, or or to be more specific, The state legislature in North Carolina, and this dates back to 2001. Bring the rest of it. Yes, it did. This is primarily dissent. The state legislature implemented plans to redraw the congressional districts in North Carolina. Many of you are familiar. Every 10 years, we have um, national census. Based upon the quantity of the population in each state, the numbers of Congress people are adjusted, all right? The total number remains the same, all right? It's, going, it's 535 total. You have 435 representatives, 100, rep- 100 uh, senators, all right, U.S. senators and U.S. representatives. Based on the ebbs and the flow, I always explain, after Hurricane Katrina in Louisiana, our, my home state lost— congressional representation because there was a significant decrease in the state's population all right well as that occurs the states have the authority to draw the congressional districts now i'm not getting into whether or not the districts were drawn properly whether this is gerrymandered with this or that that's a whole nother conversation in my estimation from the constitutional authority all right and that's a part of the problem we don't understand the function of the judiciary which i'm going to get into But I'll just say this categorically. The judiciary's function was never meant to offer policy prerogatives. It was only to assess cases and controversies presented before the court, which we're going to get into in a moment. All right? So this is not to say that North Carolina did a great job drawing the maps or did a horrible job. That's beside the point at this juncture. There were some who felt the drawings— of the congressional districts in North Carolina were unfair. They were partisan. So they filed a lawsuit, which was their constitutional right to do within the state of North Carolina. They proceeded through the process in North Carolina. The then existing state Supreme Court issued a ruling on the matter that concluded that the districts were not drawn properly. And so... They overturned the state legislature. Well, at that juncture, representatives of the state legislature appealed, appealed that decision to the U.S. Supreme Court, citing the elections clause of Article 1, Section 4 that I just read to you. Basically making the assertion, the court doesn't have the authority to change what we've done as a legislature. All right. In the meantime, the state of North Carolina had elections. North Carolinians reconstituted their state Supreme Court because they wanted a Supreme Court that would agree with their state legislature. (laughs) With the newly established state Supreme Court, the case was relitigated in the state during the interim time period of the previous appeal. Between the time period of the appeal at the state court and the U.S. Supreme Court coming to a conclusion, the state Supreme Court had already issued It's ruling. It's conclusion. So the argument before the court ultimately was, wait a minute. There's no longer any case or controversy because the issue has been resolved. Is there anything that could be done at the federal Supreme Court level that could invalidate or change what is being done in the state of North Carolina? The answer to that question is no. So then the federal question becomes, what is the Supreme Court talking about? Which is why, unsurprisingly, my favorite U.S. Supreme Court justice on the bench currently, Justice Clarence Thomas, took issue with the entire process. And you don't even have to go far in his dissent. So this case, the Moore versus Harper case, was decided six to three. <laughs> you had the usual the usual suspects, you know, Sotomayor, Elena Kagan, and now Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who was joined by Amy Coney Barrett, Justice Brett Kavanaugh. I'm leaving somebody out. I'm leaving one of them out. No, Alito was in a minority. So Justice Thomas dissented In his dissent, he was joined by Justice Alito and Justice Neil Gorsuch. So in the 6-3 decision, John Roberts, that's who I left out. John Roberts, who wrote the opinion for the majority, Justice Clarence Thomas began his dissent saying this, quote, This court sits to resolve not questions and issues, but cases or controversies. As a corollary of that basic constitutional principle, the court is without power to decide moot questions or to give advisory opinions which cannot affect the rights of the litigants in the case before it. To do so would be to violate the oldest and most consistent thread in the federal law of justiciability. I'll pause. Justiciability just simply is a big word that means it's it's an issue that the court has the authority to rule on. That's what it means. All right. Back to Justice Thomas's dissent. Quote, the opinion that the court releases today breaks that thread. It affirms an interlocutory state court judgment. I'll tell you what that means. That means an intermediary. That's not the final decision. It's a decision made en route to a final decision. Back to his opinion. Quote, it affirms an interlocutory state court judgment that has since been overruled and supplanted by a final judgment resolving all claims in petitioner's favor, the issue on which it opines of federal defense to claims already dismissed on other grounds can no longer affect the judgment in this litigation in any way. As such, the question is indisputably mute, indisputably moot. And today's majority opinion is plainly advisory. Because a writ of certiorari should be dismissed, I respectfully dissent. Justice Thomas is saying, wait a minute, what what are we we doing, y'all? Didn't North Carolina resolve this issue on its own? So what are we saying? And I'll tell you what they're saying and why they're saying it. There was a federal defense, so just to explain the scenario, you had citizens in North Carolina who did not like the original maps drawn by the state legislature. You had the state uh, the, the state House of Representatives speaker, Tim Moore, representing the House of Representatives, saying that, I understand that you may not like these maps, but we, as the state legislature, have the authority to draw them. And to defend ourselves against your lawsuit, we will refer to the federal constitution among our state constitutional defenses in showing that we have this authority. Initially, the state Supreme Court ruled against the state legislature in North Carolina. Subsequently, the state Supreme Court in North Carolina said the legislature is right. And all claims were dismissed with prejudice, which means they cannot be brought again in state court. So why then did the U.S. Supreme Court weigh in on this and even broader what is it about this issue that caused Justice, Chief Justice John Roberts, Justice Amy Coney Barron, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh to join Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson, Sonia Sotomayor, Justice Elena Kagan? I'll give you a hint with a question. How often do you think people who have authority will voluntarily cede that authority? Think about that for a moment, and we'll come back to it on the other side of the break. You're listening to The Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio.
1: Quarter podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. we got to get right to it because we are already in the last segment and the disrespectful clock is rolling. So to get right down to it, why would they do this? And I, I led into it. One of the reasons why many Americans revere the first president of the U.S. Constitution, George Washington, is because we have a man who had the authority at that time, who had the, the, the public cachet at that time, had he wanted to, to assert all manner of power, yet he voluntarily declined to accept the power personally in favor of allowing freedom to persist. What we witness here, and, and, and for many people, this may seem like a man, this is kind of in the weeds in, the, in the nuance. What we have effectively, in my view, is the corrupting of our constitutional Republican form of government. Because we have the US Supreme Court weighing in on a matter that is not an issue or controversy, that is not a case or controversy before the court. And that it is, as Justice Thomas points out, an issue or question. No doubt about it, the question of the legitimacy of district drawings are things that are important. No doubt about it, they are things that should uh, rank relatively high on the specter of the American populace. But in our constitutional Republican form of government, and this is, this is what's happening, because what allows these types of judicial overreach to transpire is we, the American people, don't employ the type of accountability we should employ. You ask most Americans, they'll say, oh yeah, we have a system of government where we have co-equal branches of government. That is institutionally false. We have a system of checks and balances at the federal governmental level. But those balancing and checking systems are not co-equal. As I said before, the touchstone of Republican form of government is that the branch That is closest to the people is supposed to bear the most potency. Why? Because in our system of government, the people are supposed to have the power. But we are effectively run by a judicial oligarchy. And that is what is happening. So you have six of the nine justices saying, oh, even though we know the issue has been resolved in North Carolina, even though we know what we say here today, what we announce here today, is not going to change the results of the issue that has already been resolved in North Carolina. We want to do it anyway because we want to announce for everybody to know. Yeah, Article 1, Section 4 says states have the authority to determine time, manner, and place of federal elections. But I want y'all to know that is subject to our review. Man, the Jedi mind trick they employed in this case (laughs) was state legislatures have the authority over federal elections, sure. But that's subject to state judicial review. And if any state judicial review even approaches a federal legal question, that means we, we can step in. That's not what the founders intended. That's not what the founders intended. The express articulation of the authority of the state legislatures over elections were, was done intentionally. was done intentionally. So yeah, people like Barack Obama, and another, oh, they're applauding. Oh, this is a protection of our democracy. And that's what they're tweeting out all about. I say, and that's exactly what you want. That's exactly what you want. You want to nullify the importance and the application of the Constitution because just like despots all around the world, what they need to do their despotism is a consolidation of power. So the more we can consolidate power, the more we can remove it from being diffused in our republic, the more we can get it away from the people and and centralize in a particular location, a particular group of people, the easier it will be for us to assert our objectives. So this this may not ring or register high on the social Richter scale for many others, but along with everything else that's unfolding in our society, I think it's important for us to understand this is a step moving us away. From the people maintaining power, that republic that Benjamin Franklin said the people needed to keep, this is a step moving us away from that. And it's egregious. It's egregious, frankly. You don't even have to get to the merits of how the, the districts were drawn. The question is, does the Supreme Court have the constitutional authority to weigh in on an issue that has been resolved already at the state level? That's the question. Because if the if the Supreme Court can just step in any time they want, what's the point of having a state constitution, a state court system? It's bad, man. It's bad. It's bad. And it's something that we need to revisit in our articulation. We don't have co-equal. We didn't, not, not as originally intended. It has drifted in our understanding to this. But it was never meant to be functionally co-equal. Man, I got so many things I got to get to. Continuing on with the, I'm not going to get to everything I got on here. Again, this may not raise to the level of <clears throat> popular consumption for everybody else. But I want you to evaluate this story in light of the overview that we as we started yesterday. We're here, we're queer, we're coming for, our, for your children. Have we been taken captive? The effort has been to establish a new normalization as to what is acceptable in the American body politic. There is a professor, Dr. Johnson Varkey, who happens to be a Christian, who taught for 20 years, 20 years at St. Philip's College in San Antonio, Texas. He taught biology. All right. He had the audacity to teach in 2023, just as he had taught in the prior 20 years, that your chromosomes determine your sex. If you have a Y chromosome, you're male. If you have an X chromosome, you're female. Well, unbeknownst to Dr. Varkey, the school initiated a uh, ethics investigation. On him, I want you to listen to and watch this clip. It's clip number six. Go. And
1: uh, in January of this month, uh, sorry, January of this year, on the 12th of January, I received an email from the vice president of the department um, of the school that uh, they are doing an ethic violation investigation on me. So I responded to his email and asked him what are the complaints and uh, you know just give me more info about it. So what he said was uh, the human resources will contact me. Nobody contacted me from human resources and on January 27th, which is like a two weeks after the first email, I received another email Uh, with a letter of termination.
0: And this is a biology professor who taught at the school for 20 years. I would add, without incident. It is true that he and his wife are passionate and committed Christians, but he's teaching biology. They fired him for teaching biology. Thankfully, our friends at First Liberty are representing Dr. Varkey, and I do expect him to be reinstated fully as they have demanded in their wonderfully written and long demand letter, it, it, complete with charts and everything. In case y'all wondering what the X and Y chromosome manifested look like. But my my, my point though is this is an instant instance. on the the continuum of what's percolating in our society where regardless of biblical truth, regardless of constitutionality, the spirit of the age continues to press in this same direction. And I am saying, as the Apostle Paul to Timothy, we have to train ourselves for godliness, to train ourselves to resist this and to stand against it at every front, but not just in the public out there since, right in our own home. We're going to open the phone lines. The number to call, I meant to give this number earlier. Marty's like, man, you late giving this number, Chief." 888-589-8840 is the number to call. The number again is 888-589-8840 is the number to call. Uh, Our discussion yesterday as well as our conversation today is on the table. Uh, If you'd like to join the program, you're welcome to do so. We started out yesterday showing the rebellion march and chanting from New York. This is in San Antonio, Texas. Many of you listening, you heard me talk about cat ears in Arizona being elected to a school board. You see what I'm saying? It, it, is, it is proliferating throughout our society. I have a story right here. I won't get to it. But in, in Idaho, Idaho, the school board had to vote on whether or not children in elementary school needed to be taught about, quote unquote, gender identity. Thankfully, the school board in this instance voted in the right direction, but you had a school board member who said, (laughs) quote, I know from firsthand experience that if students, if kids don't feel safe in the classroom, they will not even begin to try to learn the reading, the writing, and the math. (laughs) A school board member. It's insane. The same thing is happening on the other side of the pond in, in the U.K., A teacher calls an eighth-grade student despicable because they have the audacity (laughs) to assert what God says about identity. Clip number two. Go.
2: How dare you? You just really upset someone. (laughs) Saying things like should be in an asylum. I didn't say that. I just said, if they, if they want to identify as a cow or something, then they're like genuinely on Then they've gone... Yeah, then it's to crazy. crazy. You are questioning that their identity. No, I wasn't questioning, I was just saying about the gender. In terms of gender, there are lots of genders. Well, there, is gender, gender. Gender. there is transgender, there is agender. People yeah, don't believe right. they have a gender at all. To a year ago, Yeah. 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 But cisgender is not necessarily the way to be. It's you were talking about the fact that cisgender is the, the norm. But you identify with the gender, the, with the sexual order that you're born with, or yeah. you're weird, that's yeah. basically what you're saying, yeah. which is really despicable. How? If I called my mum right now, my mum would be sad. If I called my mum, she'd sad. Well, that's very sad as well, then. How is that most uh, no, of people don't agree with that? There's only a small majority of people who actually think about. And why do you think we have so many problems in the world with homophobia? It's not an opinion. Yes, a it is. This yes, school. It is. No, it's not. I mean, if you don't like it, you need to go to a different school. So, so I I'm, I'm reporting school. you to You need to have a proper educational conversation about edu- about equality, diversity, and inclusion, oh, I'm because I'm not having that expressed in my lesson.
0: And I should have warned you um, that because it was a teacher and a student that they—, they Muffled, I would not say muffled, but they altered the voices of the teacher and the and the child. But the, the teacher, the eighth grade teacher, told the little boy, you need to be in an asylum. Nah, there are numerous genders. Yeah, transgender, you have some people who don't have a gender. <laughs> like <laughs> this is where we are, guys. Yes. And it's not just in one isolated place, it's washing over entire really of Western civilization. As promised to the phone lines, we go, we'll start in Texas where Jerry is on the line. Jerry, thank you for calling the Hamilton corner. Welcome to the program. Hey brother. It's always a pleasure. I'll make this really, really quick. Uh, again, uh, I, I love the constitution. I read it. I always enjoy your perspective on it. Uh, I do feel like, you know, we got to know it, we got to study it, we got to learn it, we got to teach it so we can defend it. Mm. And the thing is, is, it's just an opinion from the Supreme court. The state has a right to just simply, ignore it and I'll let you go brother (laughs) thank you Jerry for your call and your comments it's hard to do Jerry when people don't understand the division of authority in our nation but let's try to get as many calls as we we can we'll go now to Iowa where Catherine is on the line Catherine thank you for calling the Hamilton Corner welcome to the program you're welcome my pleasure Go, go right ahead Catherine okay They overruled the Georgia legislature and illegally stole the election in 2020. Pence could have asked that it be reviewed and paused and and, and discounted again. Thank you for your call, Catherine. And one thing I want to tell you, one of the major reasons that that major things that was announced in this opinion, that you have the U.S. Supreme Court basically saying, yeah, the legislatures have the authority over the elections, but subject to judicial review. And the issue that I'm presenting to you is, is that that what the founders intended? If the founders intended for the court to ultimately make the determination concerning federal elections, why then would they include Article 1, Section 4 in the Constitution? That's the question. We have another caller, but I'm not going to be able to get to her. Thank you for calling them. You all have a great evening.
2: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.